campus. We knew that uh, we were going to see a shaking occur in the, in the world, and, uh, um, and we've, we've preached on that for years, about, about shaking coming and, and, uh, and about being prepared for that. And then uh, we, we've seen that. We've seen that through 9-11. Then in more recent years with COVID and the pandemic, and uh, God just is shaking uh, everything that can be shaken, so that only that which cannot be shaken will remain, Hebrews says. And so uh, we said real quickly, we began to preach on covenant, that we need to understand that uh, we need to be on a solid rock, that we kind of the Matthew 7, like where there's the wise man and the foolish man, and that uh, the man who built his house on this, he built his house, he heard these words and put them into practice and did them. That was like a man that was founded on a rock, and that when the storm came, and, and the sta- storm came to everyone, but when the storm came and beat, beat vehemently upon his house, his house stood because he was on the rock, and all those built on sinking sand, sand in a an a faulty foundation, we know that uh, their house crashed. And we're seeing that going on in the world today as the storms rage and as uh, wars and rumors of wars and various things begin to happen as uh, deaths occur and people have a wrong perspective of God. They don't understand where we are in the storyline. They have created and fashioned a different God. They become disappointed. Their faith is shattered and they're gone. They built it on some kind of faulty premise on prosperity gospel or what kind of uh, other things that people told them and taught them and now that form of God has disappointed them and let them go but you need to know get in this book yourself that's why we're encouraging you to take these words and eat them some of them are bitter and some of them are like honey some of them are sweet and some of them are hard to swallow but take them all it's good for you it's good medicine for you take these words this is absolute truth you can bet the bank on it the farm on it that this not one jot or tittle of this book will pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but everything in this book is going to happen. And so I would get to know this intimately. Amen? I don't know why we would, like some of you young people all of a sudden, you know, why we would take somebody that dribbles a basketball and we think they can tell us something really new and smart today. How foolish. Some movie star, you're going to take some movie star that has some kind of new idea about God or that the God we serve, something that has been proven for 6,000 years, Harlan, that you can go stand in Israel. I went to Jerusalem. I saw an empty tomb. I walked where this man, nobody will dispute Jesus Christ walked here. And yet, all of a sudden, we have somebody that's bright-minded today. And all of a sudden, we want to throw out 6,000 years of history And we're going to believe somebody that can dribble a basketball good. And that's who we're going to listen to. And that's who's going to teach our children now about God and not that He's not real or that He's all this or He's all, he's a, he, you know, he's all inclusive and He doesn't exclude anyone. And we're going to just write out 2,000 years, uh, 6,000 years of history and just say, no, that's not real. Let me listen to somebody who has had a good facelift and they're beautiful. And they'll tell me what to believe. How foolish. How foolish. You're going to change the whole philosophy of your life based on foolishness of people that they'll tell you that. And there's a scripture actually in Psalms, I think it's 81 or 83, that it actually tells you. you know the judgment of God? Do you know the judgment of God it tells in there? I'll have to find the scripture. But it basically says when you're under the judgment of God, He hands you over to listen to other people's opinions. 
You won't listen to this anymore, but you'll listen to somebody foolish on television tell you something contrary to this book, and you'll believe it. That's how you know you're under the judgment of God. When America is in that, in that day, it's time to get back to truth. It's time to get back to a firm foundation and to base your life upon Scripture and something that has been proven. Jesus Christ came to this earth. Jesus Christ died. Jesus Christ was buried, and they can't find him. He's alive and well, and he's sitting in heaven today, and he's poured out his Holy Spirit and the church of Jesus Christ has been alive for 2,000 years since he came to this earth. Amen? And I'm going to base my life upon this. They can say what they want to say. They can put all the lies out there that they want to put. This is what I'll stake my hope on and my future on. Amen? So with that being said, open up the pages of this wonderful book to Matthew chapter 28. And we're going to look at the last decade because we said from here it's time to heal. We've been in this church a long time licking our wounds, and we've been, we've been preaching to other, each other. We've been teaching almost sometimes, I think, we're ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of truth. It's time to let this truth permeate our lives and transform us, and then it's time to go and do what our Master said to do. Amen? It's time to do what He said to do and put, to put it into practice. And here is, in these last verses of Scripture, Jesus' command to all of us that we are to be disciples who then go out and make disciples. We are to be disciples who make disciples. Well, we've been disciples, but I don't think we've done a great job here personally starting with this guy making disciples. And we want to take that and now make disciples of all nations because this is what he's told us to do. And what we're going to see here today, we're going to give an overview. And then in the next few weeks, uh, we'll probably interrupt it at times, but 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 we're going to go and break this down like, like every... We're going to break this... Co- commission down to where we really, really see what every word means here and what these sentences mean and what Jesus was. Because if this is the mission of the church, not just Brookside Church of God, this is the mission of the capital C church, the universal church around the world. This is what Jesus told us to do. If this is what he told us to do, then one, we ought to be doing it. But secondly, we need to know what we're supposed to be doing. So we're going to kind of break that down and look at it. So we're going to look at the mission of the church. Go with me to Matthew 28, and let's see what Jesus said to, for us to do right here in these scriptures. And let's pray one more time. Father, in Jesus' name, speak to our hearts today. Change our lives, God. I know this is going to be a little, a little meaty, meaty and, uh, and Lord, uh, a lot here, God, that we're going to be giving an overview and processing today. And God, don't let anybody zone out on me, God. Let them be attentive and Father, let the Spirit of the living God fall fresh in here. God, let, it, let, let, let your words be spirit in there. Let them be life. My words really mean nothing, God. I, I, I just, uh, whatever I have to say doesn't even matter. But God, your, your, your words are, are, are what matter. And so Father, let them, let them go into uh, people's lives and hearts and let them receive them on good soil. And let it produce a crop, God. Lord, we love you and we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. And what we're talking about today is called, a, 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 we're talking about the Great Commission, but, but today we're specifically talking about the Greater Declaration. The Greater Declaration. And I never really thought about this or noticed this, but that's what we're talking about today. The Greater Declaration. And you're going to see where I'm going with that and why that's so 
important in just a few moments that Jesus started with a declaration before he gave the commission and then he ends it with a promise. That's what the three, if you want a three point sermon today, you're going to get the declaration and then you're going to get the commission and then you're going to get the promise because that's what we see in these scriptures. So look, look right here at Matthew 28, starting with verse 18. And it says, and Jesus came and said this to them. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. Now that's the mission of the church. That's what Jesus Christ told us to do. And we're to be engaged in becoming disciples and then in turn making disciples. And I want to give you an overview of this. And then like I said, in the weeks to come, we'll break it down and look at it in sections and see what Christ was really saying here. But this passage is what gives the church its marching orders. This is what really gives us our, our mission and our, and our commission. And we exist, as I said, and I'll say it again, for making disciples. That's what we're to do. Make disciples of all nations. Well, I want to back us up today and give us an overview. And to give us an overview, we're going to look at the entire chapter of Matthew 28, because that's going to give us a real, real good understanding of where we end and what's taking place here. Because what is, what is, has anybody got their Bible open? And in Matthew 28, what is the header? Let's start even before the chapter begins. What does the header say? Resurrection. That's the, the ding, ding, ding. That's the answer I wanted. The resurrection. That's where this whole thing starts. Jesus is rising from the grave. Jesus has died. Jesus has been put into the grave. Now Jesus has risen from the grave. And that's where we are in this passage of Scripture. We know that on Sunday they go to an Mary and Mary. Two Marys go, the Bible says, is starting there in chapter 1. And we know that they're going to the grave. Why are they going to the grave? Because Jesus died and they had to get Jesus' body down. Anybody know? why they had to get Jesus' body down the next day. It was a very, very important day in the day of Jewish history. It was a high, high Sabbath day and they could do no work on this day. So they couldn't prepare the body like they wanted to prepare the body. It was customary to anoint the body, put spices, get that body ready for burial, kind of like an embalming. But they couldn't do that on that day. Why? Because the next day was what? Passover, Passover day. They had to get that body down quickly. And they had to get that body in the tomb. So they took the body down quickly. Harlan, they put it in Joseph of Arimathea's grave in this tomb that was borrowed. And they put him in there quickly. Well, now they're saying and thinking in their minds, come after Passover on Sunday, the first day of the week, we're going to go and we're going to do what was customary. We're going to get the body ready for burial and do what we were supposed to do at the beginning. So he here we come in verse 1 and listen to what it says. Now after the Sabbath toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. 
That's why they're going. That's where they're headed. They're, they're going to this place. They arrive and the Bible says that a huge earthquake begins to happen. Why does an earthquake happen? Because they open their eyes and they look there and there's an angel there. There's an angel sitting there and the stone that's been rolled away. And all of a sudden the Bible says in, in verse 3 that his appearance is as a, like lightning. I mean this thing is phenomenal. And his clothing is like white snow. We know that in other chapters of the Bible here in the Gospels that we see a point in time where, where soldiers are guarding the tomb. And these are not rent-a-cop soldiers. These are not mall cop on a little Vespa. No, or a little whatever those things are called. These are the real deal. These are hardened warrior battle soldiers. And these guys are the, are, are the real deal. And the Bible says that at a point that they're at that tomb guarding that tomb when angels show up, all of a sudden they are all like crybabies on their face on the ground. Amen? And so when this soldier or these angels show up, what is, uh, what is very interesting is the angels say these words. What all usually angels say to saints of God. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. And that's why Mary and the other Mary aren't down on the ground crying like the soldiers were. Because the angel says, don't be afraid. Everything's okay. Come on. That's good news, right? He's risen. Come and see the place where he's laid. He's not there anymore. And so that's what happens. They had already told them. He had told the disciples three times beforehand. He had begun to tell them over and over. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going, I'm going to be shamefully treated. They're going to take your Lord and your master. And they're going to treat him shamelessly. They're going to, they're going to beat him. They're going, to, they're going to spit upon him. They're going to mock him. I'm going to be put to death by evil men. But guess what? Don't, don't, don't lose heart. Because I'm going to rise again, right? I love that Dallas Home song. Cause I'll rise again. Ain't no power on earth can tie me down. Man. And so the angel says, what you're seeing is what we told you. This is now accomplished. This is what has been accomplished right here. Come and see the place where they lay him. And then look at what verse 7 says. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. See how I have told you. He said, go tell his disciples. I want you to go tell them. And here, here's what began. But did you notice first what it says down there about uh, in the previous uh, verse 8? Do I have verse 8 up there? Did I put it? So they departed quickly to the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. That almost sounds contradictory, doesn't it? Fear and great joy. But not considering the situation. You've just seen the most powerful thing on the face of the earth. Power, more powerful than Hiroshima. More powerful than, than the atom bomb. You just saw a man rise from the dead. Death has no power over him. Nothing has a power or authority over him. You have just seen the living Christ come out of the grave and arise and be risen all of a sudden. And now, so you are there in fear, yet you can't figure out what's going on. You're perplexed. This is mind-boggling. It's over your head. Yet you're excited because he said this is exactly what he said he was going to do for his followers. So can, you can imagine leaving there and trying to wrap your mind around what's going on. Is this how the world works now? Do people rise from the dead? Do the dead live again? 
Is this, is this how the world is going to go on from this point? Is there life on the other side of the grave? And so you can imagine them leaving this place. And then it says, and behold, verse 9, behold. Jesus, Jesus met them and said, greetings, and they came and took hold of his feet and they worshipped him. Can I tell you, that is the first response of somebody who meets the resurrected Christ. If you, don't, if you meet the resurrected Christ, I got news for you. You're going to fall down and you're going to worship this king. You're going to worship this God. Some of you don't understand why we're raising our hands in surrender. Some of you don't understand why we, we, we pray and worship God. Because I've met the King of Kings. I've met the Lord of Lords. I've met the Savior of my soul. He's not dead. He's alive. And He's worthy of my worship and my praise. And then, they, then He said to them the same words that the angel said. Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. And there you will see me. He's saying, I know what's going on is beyond your understanding, but you have nothing to fear. This is great news of great joy for all people. Now go tell them. Good news of great joy. Where did we hear that a few weeks ago? Christmas? The angels declared what's come, shepherds, is good news of great joy to all people. There's a Savior not only born in Bethlehem, but He's risen from the grave. He's alive forevermore. Now go tell this good news to your brothers. Go tell it. Go tell it to, to the people. And so these, these two verses have, have give us again the logical response to somebody who meets the resurrection, rec, resurrected Savior. This is the rhythm of our lives as Christians. Number one, we worship this risen Savior. That's why we're all packed in here today. We're worshiping God today. But then we'll dismiss in a few minutes and we go and tell. We go and tell. This should be the rhythm of our life. We worship Him together and we worship Him. We listen do his words, we learn of him, and then we go and tell others about him. That's the rhythm of a Christian. That's the rhythm of our life. I feel like I've only been doing one half of that, but it's time to put the whole thing together and to do it the way that Jesus Christ has called us to do it. Amen? So he says, meet me in Galilee. Now, if you look at the map, the Galilee, if you, look, he's down here in Jerusalem, Okay? This is where all this has occurred. This is where the empty tomb is. This is where he's speaking with Mary and Mary. And then he says, go tell the disciples and tell them to go to Galilee. That's that, that Galilee region is that circle. It's that whole area around the Sea of Galilee. And it's surrounded with hills and mountains. If you've been there, Margaret, you've been there. We've been there. You, you're just unbelievable. You're seeing all around you in this panoramic view, this amazing, amazing sea. And all around it are these mountains and hills that are just all around this place. And it's just phenomenal, uh, just uh, the beauty of that place. And, 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 and that's what you're seeing there. And only Matthew records this particular interaction that is going on with these disciples where he gives them this full mission, these marching orders. Everywhere else, they, you know, he appeared 
the Bible says for 40 days to them. He was proving the resurrection and he was, uh, he was teaching them about himself and about things after the resurrection. We know from Acts 1 that he spent 40 days and, he, and then he ascended back up into heaven. And so all those times he's teaching about the kingdom of God to them and he's proving his resurrection. But in this one place is the only place in Matthew that he declares this only one place about him appearing after this. And it's a place where Jesus gives these marching orders. He, it's, a, it's different from all the other appearances and places. He's going to come and give us this commission that's taken place. Look at verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And Judas the betrayer has already taken his own life. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. Remember, that's the response of seeing him. Now the disciples are, are coming and seeing him and they are worshiping him. It demands a response. And then, but some doubted. Some doubted. Now, there's all kinds of speculations from commentators about what this means. Does this mean that some of the 11 doubted? Does this mean that there were some others hanging out with the 11 on the outskirts and some of them doubted? But, but, but what about this? What if this is a mixed response at the same time? Let me say what, I'm, what I mean by that. A sense of worshiping, but then going, I don't know what to do with this. A sense of, this is above my pay grade. And if you walk with God long enough, I can remember being so arrogant when I was young, thinking I could figure out God, and thinking I could get all about Him, and I know all about Him, and I'm going to teach you all about Him. And the longer I go in this thing, the more I understand, the more things I understand I don't know. And all of a sudden, they are, they are facing something they have never seen in their life before. They are facing the resurrected Christ. They are facing one that overcomes the grave. And they are worshiping Him, but they are perplexed. Man, this, my finite mind cannot grasp what is going on. And that's sometimes where we just have to go in between that gap of God and all His majesty and faith. That's sometimes you just got to latch on to things by faith. And what I love right here is that... That, that, that Jesus right here is just automatically, they are filled with wonder and adoration. They banked their whole life on this. Now he's dead. And, and at that point, they're, they're just looking at him. And, and now he's risen again. And at this moment, the point is that this is an essential part of all of our discipleship is learning how to deal with honesty with our doubts. And, and I believe that's what he's trying to teach us here. Of coming to a place in our discipleship as followers of Jesus is learning how to deal honestly with our doubts. Sometimes we have to learn how to deal with these things, how to wrap our minds around these sorts of things. The disciples are worshiping and they're wrestling to understand what does all this mean? Come on. Some of you come into this place after you buried a loved one and you're wrestling with God to understand what does all this mean? Come on, right? Am I right? You're wondering what's going on. Some of you get the cancer report and you come in here and you're worshiping God, but you're wondering what does all this mean? Sometimes we have to come to a place where we're worshiping God, but yet we're still wrestling with God and we're wondering what is going on in this area. And I'm so glad that Jesus put this in here so that we can see that the risen Jesus is, is is about ready to declare his authority, receives doubters into his presence. Aren't you glad? 
Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ, the living God, says here in these places that He will allow doubters to come into His midst, that their doubts did not disqualify them from being enlisted in the mission of Jesus? Here are people worshiping Jesus who didn't have it all figured out. You can learn to worship Jesus and wrestle to understand Him at the same time. And and, and, and what He's basically saying is, I will not withhold my praise until I understand. And I would advise you to do the same thing in this room when you come into this room you don't have to have it all figured out you don't have to have everything figured out but you worship him I worship him even in the midst of when I don't understand and then when I understand I'll worship him even more yeah it happened you remember the guy that said one time I believe help my unbelief I believe I believe you're the Messiah I believe you're the one that I, you said but help my unbelief. If you hadn't been there, then I don't... I don't I, 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 man, teach me something. So, he's, so, so he comes down. The disciples are worshiping and they're wrestling. And I think that's why we come in here. We come into this place to help each other. Wrestle and worship. Wrestle and worship. Wrestle and worship. And to know God more intimately. But here's where he comes down to. All right, guys, I know you're wrestling with this idea of resurrection. I know you're trying to wrap your mind around all of this, the risen Christ and everything that I'm about. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm fixing to declare something to you that you're going to understand. This is going to be point blank. You're going to understand this commission that I'm about to tell you. There's not going to be any. It's going to be straightforward. And so he brings them to this place where number one, he is going to give them a declaration, a commission, and a promise. So let's look at first comes the declaration in verse 18. So they're there. They, he's, he's, that's chapter 8. Do you get it? You, you, you know the story. You know that he was dead, buried, raised from the dead. You know Mary and Mary came. You know they're overwhelmed by this thing. They go and tell Go to Galilee, and there in Galilee, I'm going to meet you. Now we're in Galilee. Now they see him. They worship him, but they doubt, and they're, but they still worship him. And all this is going on. And now he says, hey, I know. Don't worry about that. I got something I'm fixing to tell you. This is going to be your mission. This is going to be your commission. And he says, it's going to be straightforward. I'm about to declare, give you a decoration. I'm about to give you a commission, and I'm about to give you a promise. It's going to be that simple. And so you're wrestling to understand and figure out what all this means that I'm risen from the dead but here he says here it is here's the declaration I have all authority I have all authority look at verse 18 and Jesus came and said to them all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me this is, this is the declaration. This is why we labeled this before the commission, that often we skip the declaration before the commission. I believe this is vital. It, it, you know, is Jesus, when he says this, all authority has been given to me? Is this new? Is this new since he's been raised from the dead? What's going on here? Is this a new statement? No, it's, I don't think it's a new statement because if you look previously in his ministry a year or two before, about a year earlier in Matthew 11, Jesus said these words, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. And listen to what he said at the Last Supper. Here's, it sounds like he's saying I already have authority because listen to what he says in John 13, 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God. Sounds like past tense to me. The, 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 the thing is not so much his authority 
Because he's saying, I have authority, but it's that his authority has been challenged. It's been challenged. Has it not been challenged? What about from the religious leaders? Was his authority not, not uh, challenged by them? In Jesus' arrest, trial, was it not challenged? Was, was his rule over all, uh, all of uh, things challenged and, and opposed? The religious leaders challenged him and began to uh, get ticked off by him, by who he said he was and what he said he could do. And then we know that then they begin to get Pilate involved. So Rome begins to now challenge his authority. If you're a king, tell me where you're from. And they begin to challenge his authority. And then we know that Satan enters Judas and Judas begins to oppose this authority and challenge his authority and guess what the greatest challenge of them all do you know who the greatest challenge to his authority was death itself was the greatest thing that tried to challenge his authority and that's what Hebrews talks about it tells us that it says Satan has power over death right that's what it says. It said he deceived Adam and Eve. And all of a sudden, he used this fear in mankind to torment mankind. He, he had power through death. He began to hold that over people's head and sway. I watched it with this COVID thing. It's ridiculous what people are doing right now and how fearful we are over death because there's this power that seems to be had. We fear. We're, people are only living from now. What do we say? They got all these smart, uh, uh, intelligent people now telling them there's a new way besides this. And so, but I got news. That new way doesn't clear the conscience when it comes to death. If all authority has been given to one person in heaven and earth and he holds that authority, and that power and listen that he was come against by death itself but not even death could stand against this authority and that's why he's coming out here to these disciples and saying I'm about to give you the mission but before I do I'm going to give you a declaration all authority has been given. Look at what he says in Hebrews 2:14. Since therefore the children share in the flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and then deliver all those who through the fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. You don't have to fear dying. You don't have to fear dying. You don't. It doesn't matter if it's a pandemic. It doesn't matter if it's a dirty bomb. It doesn't matter if it's old age. It doesn't matter if it's cancer. It doesn't matter what it is. You do not have to fear dying. Because he destroyed the one who had the power of death. Fear the one, not that can destroy your body, but fear the one who has the power now to destroy both your body and your soul in hell. I have the keys now, Jesus is saying. And that's good news that Jesus rules now even over death. He rules over the authorities here on this earth. He rules over creation. You're not, he he rules over everything. He he holds the keys to to, to death, hell, and the grave. 
And what we're actually seeing here is a redemption of power. It's return to the rightful rule. That's what he's saying. After my resurrection, I'm here just to show you that power is not bad. We think power is corrupt because all the power we see around us is bad. And then we have a philosopher a few years ago or several uh, years ago by the name of Nietzsche who began to put this thought into our ideas that all power is corrupt. Therefore, if power is corrupt, what is absolute power? Absolutely corrupt. But that's not really the truth. Because here we have one standing here who is all powerful and has all power. And he is not corrupt. He is redeeming it and showing you that power in and of itself is really beautiful. It's creative. It's awesome. It's majestic. It's mighty. And when it's used properly, it brings new life. And he's saying now, I have all power. And in turn, now I'm giving this power to my believers for for them to go out with this new life message. And to bring new life to the earth. And we're seeing now that an incorruptible ruler will exercise authority as a good thing, a blessing to others and not oppression. The risen Christ declares, I have redeemed power and I am sharing this new life, giving power with my followers. And the resurrection was proof of of, of his right to rule as king of kings, lord of lords, and, and, and ruler of all the earth. So before the great commission where he commands us to do something, we have this great declaration of authority. Just like our framers of the declaration, just like the Continental Congress came together and they made a declaration of independence that we celebrate every 4th of July that declared this nation independence. Now the sad thing is some of you follow that more than you follow the declaration of Jesus Christ. How does this message affect your life? Yeah, we all want the right to pursue happiness and freedom and all of that. But how many want this declaration in our life? How many allow this declaration to change us, to die to self, to take up our cross and follow Him, to go into all the world and preach the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? And so before He makes this commission, He gives us this great declaration of authority. And then He says it's on the basis of the fact that all authority is mine. Heaven, earth, creation, everything is mine. Death, nothing has power over me. Now, let me give you the mission of the church. And that's where he comes to. And now he says, in light of the declaration of all authority, he says, now here's the great commission. Go and make disciples. Here's what I want you to do. In the light of the fact that I am the, all, the one with all authority. The, in the fact that now I have conquered death, hell, and the grave. Now you can go forward with the good news that people can live again. That people can come out of the grave. That they can hear the voice of God. They can hear the message of God. That you were dead in your trespasses and sin. But you can be made alive. You can pass from the kingdom of death and be born again into the kingdom of light. Go ye therefore into all nations and preach the gospel. The gospel, the good news of the kingdom. 
And so look at what he says. In light of the authority that I have, he says, Go therefore, verse 19, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. We see the triune God pictured right there, how we're supposed to go out, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So what is the commission? We heard the declaration. I'm declaring to you that all authority is mine. Death is even subject to me. All authority in heaven and earth. So now I'm sending you forth with this new life message to go and create and, and to let people be born again by the power of God. Death can't hold them down anymore because I rose from the dead. And because I rose and I'm the first fruit, now other people can rise from the dead if they put their faith and trust in me. Amen? Amen. And so he says, as you go, make disciples. This is not a mission of world domination. That's not what he called the church to. He called you to be disciple makers. Not to world domination. It's not a mission of conquest or violent takeover. It's not the crusades of the Middle Age which were wrong. Which they did them out of pride and various things. That's not how we're to do it. That's not what Jesus called us to. It's a mission of discipleship. It's called to be uh, not to be superior, but to serve. We do not impose any particular culture or custom. His desire is to choose people from all races, tongues, tribes, and nations, and all ethnicities. And we are to come together and worship Him in uniqueness, in language, in custom, because God delights in diversity. It's not America going and pushing the gospel on the world and making everybody look like Americans. It's a diverse world where black and white, red and yellow, they're all precious in His sight. Cultures and languages and uniqueness of things that are amazing in this world that God created and made us different and brings us together into the family of God. And He's doing it so amazingly. And He's commissioned us now to go out and to make disciples or students or apprentices. And He says, who learn together. That's why we meet here. That's why we have Bible studies. That's why we get together in homes. That's why we have prayer meetings together. Because in this commission that we're going to see in the coming weeks, we make disciples. We become disciples. We become learners together. We, we, we follow the life and teaching of Jesus. That's why we're coming in here to learn about the life and teaching of Jesus so that we can better follow Jesus. If we go play putt-putt, it's so that somebody who doesn't know how to walk in the light of Jesus can watch somebody else who does walk in the light of Jesus. Jesus and see what a godly marriage is, see what a godly home is, see how we behave in the home, see how we behave when we go to Walmart, see how we behave on the job, see how we behave. And so it's to begin to learn about what it means to follow Jesus. He's saying this is the responsibility of the church. And you're commissioned to go and learn together to follow the teachings of Jesus. And as you tell them, Baptize the ones who believe in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. 
Again, the triune God, as you tell baptized, which is a symbol of, if, you have not, if you're a believer and you have not been baptized, you need to be baptized. Because here's a good point of where the Lord tells us to, once you believe, to be baptized. It's a symbol of leaving the old life behind and finding new life under the rule of Jesus Christ. I'm burying the old life of Brad Lindsay, and I'm now walking out in new life in Jesus Christ. And, and, and then he goes on to say, we are to teach each other, we're to observe the commandments, commandments in here and do the practices that are in here and we're to pass them on to each other and to our children and to our families and to other anybody who will listen out here and Jesus that, that, that give, teach us all things that Jesus has given to us and then you've had the declaration you've had the commission and then he says here's the promise anybody know what it is come on you can say it I am with you Always. I'm with you always. And behold, I'm with you even till the end of the age. The one who has all rule and all authority. The one who who was birthed and named Emmanuel, God with you. He, he is with us as we carry out this global mission. As we go outside of these walls, just go home and become witnesses to our children and our families. As we go to family reunions, as we go to funerals, as we go to, to uh, wherever we go to and sit with other people. We are to represent God and He is with us always to the end, to the culmination and the completion of the age. And how could He not be? That's the only way we could carry out this mission. Right? It's sure not been our strength and our ability and our knowledge because that's failed with American Christianity. We've made a fool out of ourselves because we have not advanced the gospel very well, but a lot of us, because we've tried all kind of trickery and things outside of this and outside of the Holy Spirit. But if we do it God's way, He's saying, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And folks, no skill, no power, no charisma is going to do it. Only the presence of Jesus Christ. That makes all the difference. When His presence is with us, it makes all the difference. How will they know that you're the people of God? Because His presence goes with us it's what Moses said and Moses learned how will they know that place up on the hill in Jerusalem how will they know because the ark is there and when the ark is there man you don't mess with those people that was symbolic of the presence of God he's not in a building up on a hill in Jerusalem he's now inside this temple and when the presence of God is with us and two or three or four or five gather together in his name and we go outside the presence of God is there amen and it's the only way we can succeed in the, ministry, in the mission. And it's really not that he sends us. He's really saying, this is my mission, Terry. Come and join me. Will you come and join me? Will you come and join me on the mission that I have? Maybe that'll help you because maybe you're so maybe maybe you don't want to follow Brad Lindsay's mission or this church's mission. Well, how about Jesus's mission? Will you come and follow me in my mission? Come on with me. Let me close with this, and then we'll learn more in the coming weeks. Look at these all statements in this chapter. 
Look at what he says. And Jesus came and said unto them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go to the next one. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go to the next one. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you. And really that word is all. Always to the end of the age. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. And we thank you, God, that this commission doesn't rest on our ability. Oh, Father. But on your authority. For thine is the kingdom. And thine is the power. And thine is the glory. Forever. And God, would you empower us now. In 2023, God, would you empower us, God, to be faithful to you and to the commission and the mission that you have set forth for us? God, would you, would you, would you help us and enable us to complete the work that you've called us to do in the earth before you come? You said you would be with us all the way till we stand at the judgment seat. All the way till we are standing face to face with you, God, in glory. All the way until we stand there, till all of humanity stands there before God and has to give an account. You say, I am with you always, even till the end of this age. And Father, I thank you for that. God, baptize and anoint this group of people. We know, we know that later these guys were told to wait. Wait until you receive the promise of the Father. And we know, God, that they went and they waited in that upper room. And we know that on the day of Pentecost, God, they've been given this mission and they've been given, they've been given this commission. And now, God, they were given the power, the power of the Holy Spirit to take it out into the whole world. And God, I just pray, God, for, a, for an outpouring of your Spirit one more time down upon your people, God. I pray that you would light a candle on every head, just like you did in that upper room, God. Lord, I pray that you would baptize us with the Holy Spirit, God, to go out of these walls boldly and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ everywhere that we go, God. And that we would see people come and become uh, disciples of yours. That they would, they would leave everything. Foxes, of the, uh, foxes uh, have holes and the birds of their air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Are you sure you want to follow me? But, oh God, when we see what sin and death and destruction and following our own pursuits has brought us, God, it becomes so easy to say, oh, you can have my life. I, want, I don't want it anymore. I want to follow you. I want to follow you. Oh, Jesus, I want to follow you. I trust you, and wherever that leads me, I'll follow you until you take me home to glory to be with you. Hallelujah.